Money FM 89.3. Best of the evening runway. The Washington Report. All right, it is now time for the Washington Report. I'm Elliot Danker. Together with Timothy Go, let's take a look at these headlines out of the United States. All right. Well, the U.S. House of Representatives voted to formally open an impeachment inquiry into U.S. President Joe Biden. Now, this moves forward a process that's been promised by Republican leaders since they regained control of the lower chambers after the midterm elections in 2022. Yeah, we'll discuss that. And as we edge closer to the final days of 2023, we're going to take stock of the year that was. And what's on the agenda for the United States in 2024? On the line with us is Chairman Estervik, Professor of Geo politics, Essex Business School, Asia Pacific. Professor, good afternoon. How are you? Good afternoon, Daniel. I'm fine, fine. Thank you. Christmas is closed. Yeah, just <laughs> a little bit less than a week. Uh, let's start off yes. with the uh, House Republicans voting last week, just before the holiday break, to authorize an impeachment inquiry into the U.S. President Joe Biden. We haven't really seen any real concrete evidence of misconduct by Mr. Biden. He, of course, uh, naturally is saying his opponents are attacking him with lies. What do you make of uh, the arguments on both sides then? So I think that uh, this impeachment will not happen. That is, he is not going to be impeached. However, if he is the candidate against Trump, it can be damageable for his reputation. Because people will think about there must be something, there must be some reason behind the smoke. So they will say he has something to hide. But I don't think that impeachment will proceed because obviously the Democrats, they control the Senate and you need the Senate for the impeachment. So it will not happen. So as you said, I mean, it's not going to happen, but it's going to damage his reputation. But when you look at it this way, the two potential main candidates for the 2024 election will be both damaged goods. <laughs> you are right. But uh, we had the same situation concerning Trump when there was impeachment against him and uh, he went through all the different hurdles. So I think it will be the same thing here. It will not happen, but it can be damageable, definitely. Mm. Any strategy for counterattack where Joe Biden is concerned? I don't think that he will counter. He will just say that it is a bunch of lies. Mm. I don't think that he will attack directly Trump because we can say that Trump is behind this that he is the uh, puppet master and that he is trying to do his best in order to impeach him. But regarding how judiciary is firmly against Trump at the same time, I cannot imagine that Trump has uh, any agency concerning judiciary in the United States. All right. Let's talk about the ongoing uh, situation in the Middle East with both the U.S. and Israel, of course, discussing, you know, possibly scaling back all the intense goings on there with uh, Mr. President Biden wanting this to happen in around three weeks. But in reality, though, what do you think of this timeline? So I think the three weeks will be very short. It is very dynamic in the Middle East, uh, meaning we have contradicting information about the progress of the Israeli Defense Forces. We also have contradicting information about the discovery of the new tunnels that they have there. So we have to settle down concerning all this information. So in the United States, I think that at the end of the day, they will authorize help for Israel. But it will be with string attached, meaning they will try to um, scrutinize and to monitor what is happening in Gaza. And they will tell Israel, you cannot use all the means in order to progress in Gaza. 
Okay, what is the proposal that the White House says it can support? I mean, uh, it's not just the the Gaza situation. There's also the Ukraine situation that's kind of taking up everyone's attention. Yeah, of course, because this is a bundle. So the Democrats have decided that it will be a bundle. They are talking about Ukraine and Israel at the same time. Yeah. So for Ukraine, we have definitely an animosity against uh, Zelensky and against uh, all the different people who are coming from Ukraine. Mm-hmm. But they cannot abandon them because abandoning them means that it is a victory for Putin and Russia. So I cannot imagine that uh, the United States will um, accept this. So I believe that they will find a loophole somewhere in order to deliver what uh, Ukraine needs, but not in quantities as it was asked by Ukraine. So we all, you know, know and speculate that some kind of armed conflict is always good during an election year for the United States. But will this really be beneficial for a second term for President Biden with everything that's going on around the world now? So everything depends how it develops. If, for instance, Ukraine succeeds to have some, uh, let's say, military successes, in that case, Biden will take this as a positive point for him. Mm-hmm. If, for instance, uh, Israel decides in the next weeks to stop its offensive in Gaza and open negotiation with whom, I don't know, maybe with the Palestinian Authority in, uh, in the West Bank, but if they start to open some kind of negotiation, he will also present this as a success. Otherwise, it will be a liability. And it will be very bad for his uh, for his uh, experience, but also for his uh, for his use of past uh, decisions for the upcoming elections. It will mm. be very damageable for him. Professor, do you mind if I take out this wild card from my stack of questions? What are the odds that both sides, where all these conflicts are concerned, be it on the on the side of the Middle East or even uh, Russia, that they want to drag it out and wait for 2024 to finish because of the odds of Donald Trump really coming good at the election? I mean, he received a wild reception just yesterday at a UFC fight in Las Vegas. He was there to support. Uh, he was there to watch the Leon Edwards, Kobe Covington fight. Kobe Covington, of course, is a, a Trump supporter. Um, what are your thoughts on these guys just wanting things to play out? And maybe if Trump takes office, maybe it'll change the narrative for them. Yes. So what is happening is that, um, of course, we can say that there are some irreconcilable um, positions, meaning people cannot find a common ground. But we can be optimistic also. And we can say the Democrats and the Republicans can have a common ground. Okay. As well as we can also imagine the United States and Russia. Or, for instance, uh, Israel and Hamas, they can also find a common ground because we have seen this in the Middle East between the Saudi Arabia and Iran. Everyone was saying they will never talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And what happened is that they talk to each other. So don't lose faith. Christmas is coming. So let's hope. <laughs> I've got yeah, I've got my my Christmas dinner plans already, Professor. Don't worry. Oh, good. <laughs> well, Professor, let's let's take a look at this because we know domestically in the United States where the election really matters. Anyway, the people there are. Well, I mean, at least from the numbers we're looking at, President Donald Trump is still very popular. But looking at mm-hmm. it from the outside, though, from where you're standing, where we're all looking at, what would be the best case scenario for the rest of the world? So where he stands for today, of course, he is promising everything that he will stop war in Ukraine, that he will stop the war in Israel and so on. So he is promising everything in order to get uh, in, in order to be elected. And maybe he can also have some agency in order to do so. But we are looking at the uh, 
situation today, I cannot imagine very quickly unless he's abandoning one side. So it means to abandon Ukraine or to abandon Israel. Mm. And I don't see this coming. So he must be very careful what he promises and what he is, uh, what he is uh, heading for, mm. because probably those promises cannot be fulfilled. All right. Another area with looking at uh, U.S. President Joe Biden heading, um, expected to back out of plans, I beg your pardon, to accept an invitation by Indian Prime Minister Narendra Modi during the country's Republic Day celebrations. This is happening, I believe, on January the 26th. Considering everything that's happened, uh, what is your take on this back and forth? Will I be there? Will I not be there type of thing? So, what? well, in India, there would be elections. Mm. So it will be the next year. So for Prime Minister Modi, it is always good to receive the President of the United States. On the other side, I think that uh, Joe Biden will put a little bit pressure on India in order to be a little bit more active in the Quad, that is the association of the four countries against China, uh, because so far it is at the same time in the BRICS, but in the Quad, Mm. So maybe the United States will ask uh, India in order to clarify about its position. But I believe that uh, India will continue with the ambiguity and they will try to work with China in BRICS and to work uh, with the United States in Quad. Let's just bring in Canada here for a minute because uh, both India and Canada are having are still having that diplomatic row between them. So can India actually risk not uh, having the U.S. president come and visit during uh, Republic Day celebrations? Yeah, so we can say that there is a close relationship between the United States and Canada. So if we consider that uh, the United States represents the interest of Canada, obviously we can expect that the United States will pressurize a little bit uh, New Delhi uh, concerning the activities of the six separatists uh, that we can have in Canada and also to cooperate with Canada in order to identify the perpetrators of uh, this uh, attack that has happened mm-hmm. in Canada. So we can expect this kind of thing, but for my point of view, I don't think that the United States will represent the interest of Canada. Canada is a big country and they will say it's up to you to sort this out. We don't want to meddle in this kind of crisis. All right. Uh, we're on the line right now with Chadabin Estervik, Professor of Geopolitics, Essex Business School, Asia Pacific. Professor, let's bring back, bring back Trump, but not quite. Talk about his friend Rudy Giuliani being ordered to pay almost $150 million to two women over false claims they tampered with votes in 2020. A judge has already found Mr. Giuliani liable for making defamatory claims about uh, Georgia poll workers Ruby Freeman and her daughter Wandria Moss. What do we know? know about this 148 million dollar defamation verdict yeah this is a huge amount i was looking at the details of it and i found that for emotional distress it is more than 40 million dollars i would like to be emotionally distressed like this me too you know (laughs) i should ask my boss here (laughs) i know my boss is listening oh yeah (laughs) about this kind of amount but 
the problem is that we have in Georgia a completely unique yeah, uh, yeah. judiciary system. Yeah. So this is why I cannot see how Giuliani can appeal for this kind of thing. Okay. In other jurisdictions, he would probably appeal, but here it will be, this is what his attorney is saying, this is practically a death penalty to Giuliani. He definitely doesn't have the money in order to mm. pay for that. He is old, he doesn't have this revenue, so I cannot see how he is going to pay for that. Okay, one last thing, uh, Professor. 2024 is coming up. What should we be looking at? What should we be expecting? What should we be worried about? So, obviously, we have uh, two hot places, that is Ukraine and Israel. But again, like the big, let's say, investment funds, I still believe that the rivalry between the United States and China is by far the biggest geopolitical problem in the future how these two giants are going to sort out the differences that they have will have implications for the whole world. This is not a local thing. Mm. It is a global thing. While the other cases, unfortunately, people are dying, but they have been contained. They have been localized, but not concerning the United States and China. Do you think the United States still holds that, how do I say, number one in the world, USA brand like it used to, especially going into what promises to be a potentially really, really hot election year? I think that they still hold this kind of brand because China has uh, has had, let's say, big uh, ambitions with One Belt, One Road mm-hmm. when it has been launched in order to compete with the United States. But we have seen the accumulation of bad news concerning the One Belt, One Road initiative. Yeah. So it means that China did not succeed in order to dislodge the United States from the brand's uh, image of number one in the world. Of course, we can talk about GDP, we can yeah. talk about military, etc. But when we talk about image, I still believe that the United States is number one. All right. Uh, we've been speaking with Jeremy Nesterberg, Professor of Geopolitics, Essex Business School, Asia Pacific. Professor, as always, we appreciate your time. Take care and, uh, I suppose, happy holidays, yeah? Yes. Uh, <laughs> thank you for you, too. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas Merry to Christmas. everyone. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.